tough times don't last forever, but tough people do. Hmm. Uh, I think that's one that for me, going back to that, that situation of childhood, like there's always these tough times and they always ended. Hmm. There's always a time I can look at after the, any crazy hard time. You can do the same thing. Think about any hard time in your life and look past it. Hmm. Could be a couple weeks, could be a month, but there was always a time when you were like jovial, happy and smiling. And even if it's just, it's today, right? The hmm. comparison. So I always like look at the moments of hardship like that. Like, all right, this sucks. I do not like this, but what I do know is if it's anything like the past, 100% chance I have that this is going to be at some point something I've navigated and figured out. So let's get on the train and start figuring out. Hello, and welcome to Before the Lights podcast, stories behind high performers. I'm your host, Brittany Wilson. Today, I'm going to be sitting down with Anthony Trucks. He's a former NFL player, American Ninja Warrior, coach, consultant, author, speaker, husband, and father of three kids. He dives deep into his story about his hard childhood as a foster kid and all the lessons he learned through all the transitions in his life. I really hope you enjoy today's podcast and get as much as I did out of talking to Anthony. I'm so excited to have you listen to this. If you enjoy it, please share it with some of your friends, screenshot this, post it on any of your social media outlets, help us get this podcast out there. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get to it. Hi, Anthony. Thank you so much for joining me on Before the Lights today. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to to hanging out. Awesome. So just got over the holiday season. Um, How was your time with your family? Uh, it was good. Way, way too much food. All good yes. food, though. But lots of, <laughs> lots of, and I think it's a common thing. We always all eat way more than we should, but it was good. You? I know. Yeah, it was great. It was great to just have family around, had some family in town from out of state. So it's just nice to kind of take some time off, relax for a little bit. So nice. Yeah. So what have you been up to lately? Um, we're going to go back to sharing your story about how you got to where you are. Um, just tell us a little bit about what you're doing recently. Recently. So uh, at this point in my life, I actually have owned a gym for many years. I recently just sold it. I, I opened it in 08 and had a little hiatus where I closed it for three years. because I wanted to do speaking, which is what I do now. Um, opened again a couple years ago, recently sold it so I can focus back on my speaking. And uh, and I, I teach people how to navigate shifts. So my company's called Modified Identity, which is navigating the the kind of the ups and downs of our identity and how it shifts throughout life's different situations. And then it all takes place through shift or change. So I, I help people navigate shift. And that's pretty much what I, I do when I get up in the morning is what I think about all day. And uh, and for me, it's a blast being able to teach from different life experiences that I've had, um, yeah. teach other people how to navigate them smoother and, and get the success they're looking for in the back end. Yeah, absolutely. So I know... Um... I've heard a little bit about your story, but um, for people that don't know, just tell us what um, kind of made you who you are, but also all like what you did. You're ex-NFL, you've been on American Ninja Warrior, all that stuff, right? So just tell us a little bit about you. Give us some background. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I, I'll take it back to the beginning. I think it makes kind of sense how I teach people what I teach them. So my life began with me being given away into foster care at three years old by my mom. I had three siblings. We all kind of went into the system where at the time, it's very similar in some ways now, but at the time, you were taught a paycheck. As long as you don't die, hmm. all is right in the world. And so people didn't treat us very well. I was starved at some house, tortured, beaten, like some really pain and stuff took place. And uh, 
And at six years old, after three years being in the system, I finally ended up in the family I'm with now, but I wasn't adopted until I was 14. So for the next eight years of my life, you deal with this situation of, um, I'm a black man in an all white family. Uh, I don't know if this is gonna be my family because I'm still not adopted. So every single day I can be taken uh, and put in a new home that may not treat me well, you know? And, yeah. and we also grew up really poor in this household. Like uh, it's, it's an interesting thing where just cause you're in foster care, people think like, oh, it must've been great. Well, it's typically not always that way. Yeah. Uh, and then, so at 14, I was finally adopted, got a chance to do something that a lot of people take for granted. Uh, I got to hit people and not get in trouble, <laughs> game called football. So <laughs> I had to go have this outlet where I could go on the field and for the first time ever express myself in a way that um, I hadn't previously been able to. And so I, I could go and run around and have freedom and actually get praise for, for hurting other kids. <laughs> Just kind of, it's a weird thing, but it yeah. worked out for me. And, and it gave me this anchor, which I think we all need that anchor at some point in time where Although things are going crazy, if you have nothing to anchor you down, you have nothing to work for, which means you stay in that unhopeful place for way too long. Uh, and so this thing gave me kind of a, a reason to push out of it. And I uh, had some ups and downs. I was really bad at football at first. I literally was like garbage, hot garbage out there. People call poo trash. <laughs> I was just bad. And, and so we also have these moments in time where we, we have this thing we like to do, but we're not so good at it. Mm -hmm. And so we usually give up on it, make a great excuse why we don't do it. Yeah. And what I ended up doing was was getting that point. And I remember I was in this classroom with this this girl. Uh, it was my English class, Mr. Howe's English class. And Mr. Howe was a cool guy. Like he had this this couch next to the, the, the all the desks. And if you got your homework done, you could sit on the desk or on the, on the chairs next to the desk. So I would be in the back right corner opposite of his desk, hmm. right next to this love seat where the couch was at. And there was two girls sitting there talking one day. And granted, at this time, my my adoptive mom had been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. My older brother was off in the military. So it was me at the house, like and with my other siblings, I just felt like I was on an island. Yeah. And I was, you know, pretty much chucking it up saying, Well, I'm a foster kid. You know, foster kids aren't supposed to have much. You know, yeah, I'm adopted, but like I'm still this, you know, I'm just this foster kid. Nobody cares. Mm -hmm. And this girl says to another girl, this simple statement that was unique to me. And it it was simple, but what she said was, Well, the reason I'm so bad is because I'm in foster care. Hmm. And now she's not talking to me, she's talking to somebody else. And I realized in that moment that this was the first time I'd heard my excuse spoken out loud. And we never, I, you know, we really get the opportunity to hear our excuse. And when you typically hear your excuse out loud as to why you're going to chalk up your dream or not be great, it sounds really stupid. Like, it's like, that, that's the reason? Like, because I was in foster care, that's why I'm going to be a bad dad someday or maybe a criminal or I'm not going to go to, you know, college. And statistically, if you look at any prison in America, 80% of the population is former foster kids. Um, I want to say less than 1% of foster kids ever graduate college and like 50% of the homeless population is at, was at some point in time in their younger years foster child. So the system is, is not setting up a lot of us to be successful. And so for me, I just remember like that was, that was the first time I felt this, this, this wave of like, I want to be great. And now we, when we choose to be great, we typically don't know what that means or how you do that. We just know like what we are in right now isn't where we should be. That it's literally like a gut feeling and the conversation pops up. But what's problematic is we don't know what to do with it. Typically, it's just like, all right, I got to do something else, but I don't know what that's supposed to be. Yeah. And for me, I just I knew there was a couple of things I could be great at. Uh, you know, I'm 15 year old, you know, high school boy. And one of them was get girls phone numbers. Hmm. Uh, the other one was was be great at football. So I was like, I'm going to choose to find a way to be great at this game that I suck at. And hmm. what ends up happening is I do this thing that few people do. And it's the key, I believe, to all success is you have to work incredibly hard at something more than you're willing to give in the moment mm -hmm. without guarantee of success. Yeah.
I think that's the thing people are, they, they won't put all out because they don't know there's going to be an end result. And the problem is you never know. But I do know this. If you don't give full out, you do not get that thing. It won't just land in your lap. Yeah. And so for me, I, I took that mindset that I learned at 15 um, of going through this, just the grind. And it took me the next year being this guy that wasn't very good to my sophomore year, starting on varsity, um, three years later, get a scholarship to play the University of Oregon, playing the NFL. And then, you know, the story goes on NFL and and married and, you know, gym ownership and then divorced, remarried, which is a conversation, different story. And then now I, I travel the world. I'm American Ninja Warrior. I'm a former NFL athlete. Like all these crazy cool things have happened. And it was because of what I learned at 15, which was you got to grind. You got to put the work in before you know you'll be great. And for me, it all panned out. Uh, and it, it's kind of like the story of my life now. So now I travel around and throughout all those different parts of my life, I've always had this, these different parts of transition. And, you know, you're not at that age, I don't think yet. Hopefully you'll get to that point in time where, you know, uh, married, kids, business, career, whatever it may be. And like things just are always changing. Mm -hmm. And some of the hardest things for us as humans to do is to change. Although we know in the heart of our hearts, the root, the gut, we know change is what we have to do to get something. We still fight it. Mm -hmm. We're still scared of it. We still, because there's always the unknowns. And as long as we're afraid of unknowns, uh, we always float back to that comfortable spot and the comfortable spot. Yeah. Like they say, it's comfortable, but nothing grows there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's also loaded and it's crazy that you went through what you did and, and you realized uh, to not use those excuses at such a young age. You, I mean, you talked about how you went all out and how rare that is for people to find because you just want to be comfortable. Like you said, you know, it's, yeah. it's easy to find a comfortable spot, even on, you know, a high up football team, or it's easy to kind of just play that comfortable role. So how do you yeah. think you found that? Because, or just was it innate for you? Uh, the aspect of, of finding a, a, a discomfort somewhere? What do you mean? Just how do you think you realized the importance of going all out in all aspects of your life instead of maintaining the comfortability that a lot of people want to find? Yeah. Well, you know, I think we're all seeking peace. I don't think that anybody's seeking discomfort. <laughs> I think yeah. we... We are aware of it, but we're all like, I just want to, I want to be able to chill and not like not do anything. I think that's what we're all working towards, right? So yeah. it's not so much that I want to have fame or whatever. I, I want to have, I want to have peace to where I, I want to wake up tomorrow and know that if I just want to sit in my bed, I can do that and I can be okay and bills will be paid. Like that's kind of the goal we're looking for. And I think for me, um, there's a discomfort you have to go through to get to that level of peace. Mm -hmm. And so for me, whenever I look at it, like, I, I think you kind of ask like, you know, at some point, like, how do you, are you push into that realm and how do you stay, you know, moving for me? It's always been a matter of, I, I take a look at the snapshot of where I'm at and I, and there's a balance here because some people assume that being, I want to say content is a bad thing. Okay. Like I can be content, but not satisfied. Yeah. And a lot of people see content in the same aspect of satisfied. Like, oh, you're content. Does that mean you're going to sit down and not do anything and hang out? I'm like, no, content means I'm at peace with the moment that I'm in, but I'm not satisfied with where I've gotten. And so for me, if I look at my life, there's always a level of like, I'm content. I love my life. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love, I love everything I got going on in life. I have yeah. no qualms or issues, right? Yeah. And I'm content. I'm at peace. But at the same time, I still desire more. And, and I desire to do more, impact more. And that's kind of always how the, the process has gone. So when I was younger, you know, when I was in high school and going to college, like I was happy. Like I'm starting the football team. I'm doing well. Or, you know, I'm starting my college team. Or I'm in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I'm not sitting in that moment, you know saying that I've reached the peak and there's nothing else more. It's like, I love this moment I'm at, but there's always a better moment. There's always something greater to work out. So it's always this desire for continuous growth. Yeah. 
Definitely. And you talk about change a lot too and transition and all that stuff. What was the transition like from being, you said, not so good at football to making it into the NFL? What what kind of drove you to create that change and, and what did that look like for you? Yeah, you know what's crazy? I never grew up wanting to play in the NFL. Oh, ever. really? Wow. Never. I, mean, I think a lot of people... They look at me and they think like, oh, you 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 reached your dream. Like, nah, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't really reach a dream. I think what I ended up doing, and, and it may sound odd, is I just did what the next logical step was. Hmm. I think that for me is one of the bigger pieces is sometimes you set a massive high dream, right? And we, and we get to a point where we have to move towards it. And if we fall short of it, we beat ourselves up. Like, oh, I didn't get there, so I feel bad. So I don't pursue the next thing. Yeah. So for me, it's not that I never set a super high level of you know, standard for myself. Mm-hmm. It's that what I did is I said, what's the next level I should move to? And then what does that level demand of me now? Okay. And so what I do is, is I'm always working in a mindset of not so much just being focused on the end result, which I think a lot of us do. Like, okay, I gotta be a star. I gotta you know win a championship. I gotta you know do X, Y, or Z. But what happens is very few people stop and fall in love with the process that you should mm-hmm. go through to achieve that. Yeah. Their, their, their dreams are always set on mastering what they got, you know, got to master to get to that level to have this thing. But the reality of all successful people, they master the small things that nobody sees behind closed doors. Yeah. And so I fell in love with the process of whatever was necessary to reach that next level. And when I was in high school, it's like, hey, I got I to gotta hit the weights. I got to, you know, perform in the field. I got to get my grades done. Cool. Mm-hmm. So you get to college. College is kind of the same thing, you know. It's always a matter of like, what do I got to do to, to, you know, stay stable, stay academically sound, you know, make sure I'm, I'm showing up to class, make sure I'm showing up to the weight room. Like, what do I got to do? Playbook stuff. Like, those are things that need me to excel in this moment to be able to play in the next level of the NFL. So yeah. it's always been a matter of that. And then in the NFL, because there's no other level to go to, my thing was actually um, I hadn't graduated whenever I got into the NFL. I'd gone four years but never registered it. So I started an extra year to kind of finish up. And so what have happened for me is my next level of life post NFL was going to be obviously something in the, in the real world. So I, while I was in the middle of all my, you know, off seasons and summers, I was doing like double day workouts while attending class in college mm-hmm. um, at the local junior college for like you know, eight hours a day or something crazy, just because I knew the next level of my life demanded this of me. Mm-hmm. And so when I actually lost my career to an injury, I was, I was prepared for the next stage, came home and got the ball rolling. I think I hurt myself in uh, August. I opened my first gym in December. Wow. Like I was, I already had a plan. Like I already I knew what I wanted to do, how I want to get done my degrees in kinesiology. So I was like, well, let me go ahead and keep things moving. So that was the process. So it's always been a matter of what is the, what is the next step? Not the, the 17th step. What's the next step? Hmm. And what does that step demand of me now to exceed at, to where I can fall in love with that process? So hmm. I'm prepared to take the next step on. I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's it is such a hard concept to grasp because we're we're told to have these big goals and focus on the big goals, but it's really, it's the day to day things that that get you there, and and that's what you really experience. I mean, if you finally, if your dream was to make the NFL and you finally got there, you know, you'd have that. Oh, I finally made it for what I don't know a day, two two minutes, but then yeah. it's it's back to work. So. I, yeah. I think that's so true of finding joy and love in that process and continually pushing forward. I think that's really important. Um, what it is that life is uh, life is better lived when you when you love the way you live. And like people always talk about, you know, the end destination and I want to have X, Y and Z. And that's great. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is, is you spend more time on the journey than at the destination. Yeah. 
And if you don't love the journey, you'll never reach the destination. Or if you do reach it, you'll reach it unhappy. Yeah. It's like if I uh, if I was to you know take a trip to I don't know I don't know where, let's say I'm taking a trip to Florida, right? Well, if as I'm going through this flight, if you know, I leave the house and I'm late and I'm rushing to the airport and the flight attendant messes my seat up, the kid next to me pukes on my shirt, <laughs> babies are screaming all around me, I land, I miss, you know, I miss my, my layover, I'm laying over extra long and whatever. I have a horrible trip to get to the hotel. I don't care how beautiful that hotel is. I'm going to show up to the hotel. I'm not going to be very happy. Yeah. Right. So that, that's one way of looking at it. But if I love the journey to get there, then all the, you know, when I actually arrive there, I'm happy and I can enjoy the aspect of the room and I'm in a good mood and the, the trip is great. But a sucky trip to get there doesn't make the, the hotel room amazing. It's, it's, it's the same concept for our dreams. Mm-hmm. If you take a horrible trip to get to your dream and you hate every minute of it and you, you, you know, take, don't take care of your body or you mess your relationships up or whatever it might be, or you do something that isn't very morally you know, sound, when you get to the end result, you're not going to appreciate it as much. It's going to kind of not feel as good and it's a difficult place to live so hmm. i say fall in love with the process of, of whatever your day-to-day is and then when you get to that journey destination like it's amazing yeah and i i can notice that through how you speak about your life too because a lot of people if they had a career ending injury that would be one of the biggest parts if not the biggest part of their story and you mentioned it as oh it's just on to the next thing so do you think that mindset is what got you through to be as successful as you are now and getting through that because for most people if you kind of defined yourself as an athlete your entire life and you had a career ending injury I can imagine that would be one of the hardest things to transition from yeah I was I mean I remember the where I was at whenever I so I I had got done uh, had my surgery I wasn't completely done afterwards I had got some workout calls from different teams that I remember that I got a call from my agent who had uh, it was like a year after um, and I was still trying to go back and I was still trying to train because I hadn't yet given that piece up I remember my agent hopped on the phone and says hey there's an offer from Buffalo Bills but they want to put a weight on your shoulder. So if you get hurt again, nobody pays for it. He's like, just, you know, every, every contract's going to have pretty much this contract stipulation. And I don't think it's right for you. Um, he says, cause if you get hurt, you're, you're screwed. You may not have a regular like life after this. Wow. And it was in those moments that I was like, so it sounds like my career's done. Hmm. And he's like, yeah, man, I, I sorry to say it, unless you're willing to make that risk. I don't think it's smart for your family. He says, it's time to hang it up. And I remember just like, Wow. the wave of real like reality hit and then i just i remember started crying i was i remember the room i was in and just like this i think like, in the crying wasn't because i'd lost football it was because i'd lost me like yeah. who in the world am i and so i realized that that's a really dark place and i was in a really really you know difficult situation to realize like everything i'd worked for for the last 13 14 years of my life was now gone and almost useless yeah. I couldn't go run the streets and hit people. You know, I'm not going to be in the same practice. Like life, everything changes. The clout, how people see you, how special you are, it's gone. And so, so I don't want to take any weight away from the aspect of like, you know, I, it was it was heavy for me. Yeah. Absolutely. But the, the reality of of what I've experienced in my life is is simple. Every moment that I'm in, like the moment I'm in now, it's de- depicted by the previous moments and how I handled those. So if I have you know, this perspective on my previous moments and they, they, they carry me like an anchor down to the bottom of this depth of emotion and I'm always unhappy and always negative and always just, you know, frowning. But then what happens is the moments I have after that are no better than that moment. They're always deep and dark and, and they're horrible. And so what I've realized when I've learned is from foster care being, you know, having to get literally picked up and taken to a new home or, you know, dealing with situations there or, you know, football having injuries that you know, almost put you out or, you know, getting cut or whatever it might be. 
all these things I've realized if I don't like this feeling and all of us will be in places where we don't like those feelings, right? It's a negative feeling. It's dark. It hurts. Mm-hmm. Well, in that moment, the only way to get out of it is to take an action in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is nobody has the feeling and desire to take an action in the opposite direction. Like, think about it. When you're in the darkest place, the last thing you want to do is do something happy and fun. Yeah. Like, I don't want, I just want to sit here and eat ice cream and, and leave me alone. I want to binge watch my TV show, right? That's what we, we want to tuck away. Yeah. But the problem is, if we do that, we prolong that pain. Hmm. We stay in it way longer than necessary. And so what I've always looked at is, you know, this moment will have its moment, will have its time right now. And now I need to actively decide about the next moments of my life. Because what happens is if I pursue those moments with this heavy feeling, I'm going to have this same feeling for longer. Yeah. And so if anybody's listening to figure out, you want to have a dark place, what's going on, have a happy space later on is move. You're not going to feel like it, but it's the most important time that you move. Yeah. I mean, I, I've experienced that as well. I think recently just with even the smallest transition of going from in season to where you're pretty much constantly busy, you don't have a second to yourself to out of season where, you know, I'm off for seven weeks and, don't really know what to do and um, some family issues and all this stuff. And I just have felt like I'm in that place sometimes. And you're so right in that you would think like when you're happy and everything's going well, you'd think like, oh, if you're in a sad place, just, you know, think of something else or, you know, but it's hard. It's hard to get out of that. It's like when you're in it, it's almost like you're stuck and you're buried and you just kind of want to stay there. So what yeah. what steps do you take when when you've been there before and with what you've learned yeah. from you know like you said going through the hard things that you did well the thing is we uh so you just listed a bunch of emotions right and i mm-hmm. spoke about emotions and one thing mm-hmm. i talked about was action opposite of the emotion okay so it's a simple thing that carries the entire answer and a lot of weight huh. so for example um, emotions are all triggered by actions everything that we have is an emotion whether it's an, an internal action that we thought or how we perceived a moment so if somebody say cuts us off in traffic and speeds off well we have this emotion based on the action but our perception of that action is what creates the emotion so for example someone cuts me off and they take off speeding well if they're just being a, a punk and they cut me off and take off i'm angry right mm-hmm. but what if we found that that person was rushing to get to the hospital because his wife is having their baby yeah a whole different perspective for the exact same thing but we just choose to frame it in a way that creates an emotion so in one aspect i'm angry and one i'm like yeah man take off go right we're, we're excited for the person yeah. it's a matter of how the perception of that moment is yeah. and so the what I, I boil it down to is if, if you don't have a perception on the actions necessary to to create the emotion you want well then what happens is we're like well how do i get out of this emotion how do i change the way i feel and it's all based on the physiology and the action we take mm-hmm. so you literally have to go do something and it sounds odd but it's like go play a game like go you know move a little bit but like and honestly activity and exercise is one of the key like key determinants of, of happiness like it ties to a lot of brain chemistry yeah. um people who are depressed or have you know issues mentally exercise is a humongously positive tool to help them do a lot of whether it's cutting cigarettes and dealing with depression like exercise has been scientifically proven to benefit that but people don't do it it's so odd um, but the reality is, is if you look at, uh, like another example, if I'm going to go and say, I want to elicit the emotion of love. Well, if I walk in a room and I see this, this person and I want to, you know, show them love, I'm not going to punch them in their face because <laughs> punch them in their face is going to create the emotion of anger. Okay. But if I walk up and I give them a hug and a kiss or, you know, like some loving embrace, the emotion of love is then created in that person. Hmm. It's the same thing internally for us. Okay. So we don't like ourselves. We're not happy with how we look, what we're doing. 
you have to do an action where you show love to yourself. And it's not going to start from an emotional place. The emotion is not going to be the leader. It's going to be the action that leads to create the emotion. Same thing happens in relationships and, and everywhere. Like if you want to love somebody or, you know, get that love feeling, you have to love on them, even if you don't feel like it, like babies, like I have three kids, mm -hmm. my children, when born, all of them poop, cry and eat and poop, cry and eat all day. They do nothing anyway, but <laughs> you feel that loving feeling, mm -hmm. but what it is, it's the, me staying up in the middle of the night when I'm half tired and it's three in the morning, my kid won't go to sleep and they're on my chest. It's the time I've spent. I've invested in an action and it creates this loving feeling. We have to invest that actionable time into ourselves. Go get yourself a spa treatment, go exercise, like do something like where you feel good about yourself because you loved on yourself with an action that led to the emotion. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So you can't just wait for yourself to feel better because odds are it won't happen unless you, you do something about it, so. It won't, yeah. sadly. I, I'm, this is from experience. I, <laughs> wish it, I wish it was different. Yeah. But this is, and this is all for me going through it and then pretty much reverse engineering and like figuring out how in the world did that work? Why does it operate that way? And, and how does the brain work? This is, this is all just research and information that I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Here's how it showed up in my life. When was the time where you kind of realized that, where you felt like you're in that dark place and you're like, okay, I have to finally do something about this. Like what were the times that taught you that lesson? Man, many a time. So there was one, um, 28 years old, I got done with, you know, college, I'm in the, you know, out of the NFL and I'm, I'm, my gym is running. So I've, at this moment in time, it was like 2011 ish, I want to say. Okay. So I've been in my gym for a couple of years. Oh yeah. 2010, 2011. And, uh, had run my gym. My gym wasn't running very well. So now I've lost my identity as a football player for navigate that pitfall situation. My business that I started wasn't doing too well. I'd almost gone bankrupt a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Um, my engagement and investment of time <clears throat> in my, uh, my business, pulled my marriage apart. So now I have three kids, a wife who's unhappy with me, a business where I'm, I'm dealing with, you know, possibly going bankrupt. And I don't know who the hell I am because I've lost this thing that I did for so long. And I remember um, there's a moment in time where I took a trip uh, to Hawaii with my wife and I'm looking over her shoulder and she's texting another guy. Hmm. And so in this moment, I've now lost my family hmm. and I've lost like the anchors that are my soul. And so I remember I got this really dark place and like for a while it didn't set in. Like it was kind of like this fog. When you have like a lot of stuff happen, your brain can't contemplate and wrap itself around what's going on. Yeah. You stay in a fog for a long time. And it's not good because it's like, you don't want to do anything. Like I, I don't want to go to work, I, but I own this gym. I don't want to smile, but I have to smile. So what's even worse is when you're in a position like I was, I am the source for other people's happy. So if they come to the gym and I'm in a funk, that hurts my business, I can't even eat, right? So I gotta find a way to, to smile and be happy when I just wanna crawl in that garbage can and just die. Like, I, I don't wanna be here. And so uh, I remember a buddy of mine had said something like, hey, Aunt, um, like I went to this UFC fight we were all watching and I was just pretty much, I didn't say a word the entire time. I was just in a fog staring at the screen and he noticed it. So I walk out to my car because I'm leaving because I just, I don't feel like being around people at this time. Mm -hmm. My best friend is this aunt, um, and I know you got a lot going on, but you, you just, you're in a fog. And he says, bro, just realize like you need to accept that this is your reality. Hmm. And it was like this really just, it was a moment of a wave of emotion I'd never experienced. It was like the full onslaught of everything that had been going on just hit me. Oh. And like, it just poured out of my face in tears. I remember I got in my car and just drove off. And when you have like that wave of like such a painful emotion, like you just want to stop. And so I remember texting my, my family and some friends saying, please tell my kids who their father was. 
Like I was done. I was gonna go find some rat poison. I was like, I, I can't, I can't deal with this. Um, I remember I drove <clears throat> and I found it was like an hour drive away and it seemed like it was five minutes. I ended up in this backwoods spot in a town called Stockton. Um, luckily GPS was on my phone. The police found me and nothing had happened. Uh, and I just kind of like, I, I, like I said, oh, I'm just lost. I'm heading home. I just pretty much talked them out of, you know, I wasn't crazy because um, mm. my family called the police to look for me. And yeah. so I get back to my house. I remember like it was just this, this I was I was in that low, the very bottom of all bottoms. And for, you know, a while, I did not want to do anything. I, I literally, I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to show my face. Now I have this embarrassment of what took place because family and friends, everybody knows. Like, so you have this bottom where it's like, I literally have no idea how to get out of it. I mean, a lot of situations I'm in now, like I get it and understand how to navigate it. But at that time, I, there's no map for that. There's no road plan. There's no, there's nothing. And the people who've done it and gone through those situations, they don't openly talk about it usually. And if they do, there's no solution. It's like, here's my problem. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Whereas for me, it's like, I'm just stuck here. And so what I did is um, I had a lot of people pour into me. So one of the biggest things was I allowed myself to be talked to by people and a standpoint of um, just, just sharing areas that I wouldn't previously share. My ego wouldn't let me talk about the previous situations. Whereas now it's like, you know what? I, this is what's going on, guys. I opened up and told what was going on, how I felt, and it changed their perspectives. It, it, it allowed them to reach out to me and take me on trips and go and hang out. And like the actions of happy started to be taking place in my life, not even by my direction. Like some of them were just my buddies. Like, and I was thinking about you, man, come to the house, family's barbecue. Let's just have some food and sit down. Hmm. So I'm like, all right, I'll go. And you can't be around other people who are happy and playing games and not slowly start to be happy and play the games with them. Yeah, like, yeah. it's difficult. Like, if you're just around joy, it, it just, it's a natural differentiator. In fact, um, one of the things that we don't realize is like, there's like levels of joy people have. And if we are looking at how we are designed as human beings, we are built for relation. Mm -hmm. And so if we're in these dark places, sometimes we avoid people. But the reality is, is if you are in a low joy space, you have to have some with a high joy level. Because yeah. they'll take you up levels of joy, little by little. They'll smile, they'll keep poking you, they'll keep prodding you. Because we naturally, we don't want to stay unhappy. We just don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. And what we do is we sometimes need to lean on people that we care about and that care about us and let them just, just be in the moment with us and listen to us and hang. And so I did that. I just hung out with people and, and let them kind of you know, feed me some of their joy. And then from there, I started taking actions that, that were out of my comfort zone. Um, out of the box, I, you know, I started making changes in the business, picking changes how I took care of myself. I just, I made a lot of changes because I realized that those changes every time I made one, even though it was difficult, it, it gave me a little bit of a sense of peace, a little sense of pride, like self-worth again. And it started to help me climb out of that hole uh, and continue the life I live. Wow. That's such an impactful story too, to just hear you speak about, you didn't really necessarily know how to get out, but it was the people around you that kind of, like you said, just poured into you and helped you get there and even just sitting here listening to you right now that's just kind of speaking to me and in, in the place I'm at right now so that's that's my hope for this too is that like you said people don't all the time realize that it's okay to talk about these things and it's good to talk to people about this and get around people rather than just bottling it all up so I think that's that's such a good point and and I hope whoever is feeling that way can hear that and just realize, you know, just take the first step, talk to somebody, get out and, and take that action to make, make yourself better. Hmm. That starts. Yeah. So you obviously are continually pushing yourself. Um, 
you learned a lot from your past, but I'm sure you're continu- continuing to learn more and, and push yourself more here. So how do you, what are your goals now? And, and what do you think are some of the things that push you to continue to reach outside of, of what you think your limits were in the past? Yeah. Um, a few of those. Well, there's always like three different levels of goals I have, right? And this is all areas of life. So you have a personal goal, professional goal, and a health goal. And I don't know if they're always like a specific, like I talked about, I don't have massive, crazy, like amazing, I'm going to go take out the world goals, right? Yeah. I just like levels for Anthony. Uh, and how do I master who I am to this day? So physically, my wife and I, we're, we're doing a half Ironman next, uh, next March, I'm going to oh say. And I, I don't, I'm not built for that. Like I'm 230 <laughs> pounds. I'm not a Ironman kind of guy. Uh, wow. Although... <laughs> I, I train like a monster. So when I get into something, like yeah. my brain, I enjoy the, there's almost like a peace inside of the pain. Like whatever, yeah. like it sucks the most. There's like a sense of joy. I don't know how to explain. I'm sure you get it as an athlete. Totally. Yeah. Uh, no. And the Ironman too. It like, I feel like that's just a whole new level. I recently have been looking into it and I'm like, maybe when I'm done with soccer, I'll do that. It's just a whole nother level of pushing yourself. But yeah, I can totally, totally get what you're saying. It's a blast. It's, I mean, it's a blast just to, to do. We've done some uh, triathlons, but this will be the longest one. And then relationship-wise, it's always a goal of making sure that that legitimately we, we have something that, like I say, something we and my wife and our relationship that we can uh, we can be happy about. Like, not so much just feel like it's a chore. Like, the mm-hmm. two of us, we train together when we do this. It's actually her kind of leading the, the charge. Mm-hmm. But it gives us something to do and to engage with each other about. And it, it makes our relationship stronger because we start bonding at a level deeper than it, what somebody else can come tear apart. You can't tear apart what's being always built, right? So yeah. um, we do that relationship-wise. Professionally, it's always a matter of how do I impact the people that I have uh, been blessed to, to reach, right, in some way, whether it's by videos, posts, content, whatever I put out there. And that's always the goal of people who are, they would call influencers. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't like to look at my life as an influencer. I'm just this... This regular guy has gone through some really crazy stuff from the NFL to Ninja Warrior to this life. And, you know, I divorced my wife. We remarried three years later. There's a whole bunch of stuff in the back end of that. Oh, wow. And if I if I pull myself away from the aspect of realizing I'm still just a human being on a planet, then I think I'll stop trying to uh, to be the best person I can be. And for me, that means obviously I talk about personal and health, but then professionally, it's it's a matter of sharing what I've gone through in a way that someone else can take it and apply to their life. Hmm. That's really what coaches do. Yeah. It's saying, hey, what am I phenomenal at, whether by accident or because I put time into it? For me, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I, I endured a lot of situations that, that most people um, never experience um, or they have and they don't talk about. And so I talk about it, one, but then two, I, I try to figure out the the intricacies of it from a psychological standpoint, application standpoint, then how do I simplify that down for someone so that they don't have to go through all these loops that I had to go through to figure that thing out. And what took me four years can take them four days, right? Mm -hmm. It's once you have information, it can happen quick and it can be done, right? So for me, it's a matter of looking at it from that perspective of of professionally, I just want to make people better. And that's Mm -hmm. what I get to do every day. Yeah, that's a pretty amazing way to wake up and be like, I'm going to change someone's life today, so... Hell yeah. <laughs> I legit have a board at the, uh, the top of my board. All it says is make people better today. Wow. I love that. I love that. Cause that's, that's how I want. And I'm sure everybody wants to wake up with, with that purpose. Like you have is, Hey, I'm going to change someone's life today instead of, you know, I'm going to go punch the clock. So I think yeah. through all that stuff, you've, you've really found a way to 
use it for yourself to push you to great things, but also use it to teach others like, like you were talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I mean, that's how, there's a, that quote I love that it says the rent we should pay to live on this earth is a service to others. Like huh. if, and then what, what happens is in doing so, I think it also ties for me to like my childhood. I grew up and I didn't matter. I was just this kid. Nobody cared. My real mom didn't even care, right? And so yeah. the way that I, I look at my life and how I live it is I am almost selfish in a sense of I desire to do things that get someone to say, thank you, Anthony. And, and it's in the beginning, I used to think like, oh, it's a bad way to be driven. Like, I don't really want to be driven by this aspect of somebody else's appreciation of me, right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, will it make me feel bad? At first it does. Like when I, if you do it the wrong way, it's like you live and die by it. It's if somebody says, thank you, you feel great. If they say your stuff sucks, you feel horrible. Huh. So for me, I realized it's not, a, I'm not going to serve everybody. Not everyone will like me. Yeah. And there'll be people that say your stuff sucks. And that's okay. I'm just not for them. Huh. Does not mean I'm bad. Yeah. But then on the flip side, it's like, I, I genuinely, selfishly want that thank you. But in doing that, to get that genuine, true thank you, I have to give all of me from a passion, from a, from a heart, from an energy place to give to you to earn that. And so it's more of like I, I'm doing something I think helps the people that I work with massively, and it gives me what I want on the backside. Yeah, that's a great perspective to have too because it's fulfilling, but it also is kind of enduring as well. It's going to keep pushing you to, to those new levels. So, Yeah, awesome. always. So I always ask just two questions at the end. Um, the first one is if you could go back to maybe when you just started football or maybe when you were still in foster care, just with all the lessons you've learned throughout your life, what are two or three things? I know it's hard to pick, but two or three things that you'd tell yourself uh, back then with, with all that you have learned? Oh, man. Would I go back and tell myself? Yes. Oh, it's always a good question that I never have a definitive answer for. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes you get asked the same question and you have a, sing like a singular answer. I yes. don't have one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch, touch base with Anthony today. Yeah. And today's Anthony would say, um, he'd say, hey, man, Listen here, stop, stop eating your Capri Sun. Listen, uh, <laughs> it would say tough times don't last forever, but tough people do. Hmm. Uh, I think that's one that for me, going back to that, that situation of childhood, like there's always these tough times and they always ended. Hmm. There's always a time I can look at after the, any crazy hard time. You can do the same thing. Think about any hard time in your life and look past it. Hmm. Could be a couple weeks, could be a month, but there was always a time when you were like jovial, happy and smiling. And even if it's just, it's today, right? The hmm. comparison. So I always like look at the moments of hardship like that, like, all right, this sucks. I do not like this. But what I do know is if it's anything like the past, 100% chance I have that this is going to be at some point something I've navigated and figured out. So let's get on the train and start figuring out. So that's what I would tell myself yeah. uh, from a standpoint of that. And then I would also be uh, looking for a second one. If the world's a reflection of you, hmm. if you show up in a crappy mood or unhappy you're going to get crappy people who are unhappy talking to you. Mm. <laughs> it's you're just, you are a mirror. Yeah. And so if you show up happy and jovial, if you really want happiness from the world, give happiness to it because the world is a mirror. It gives you what you give it. Wow. Yeah, that's so true. I think it's, it's about that perspective. Like we are going back to, it's just all about how you look at it and people will react. Like if you show up excited and ready to train or ready to learn, like it, you'll, you'll get the same thing back. I really like that one. Awesome. Yeah. And then last question is, 
if you never had football in your life, and if you never had speaking, all these things that you do that somewhat define who you are, yeah. how would you want to be remembered by your friends, your family, the people closest to you? Man, I you know what? I'd like to be remembered as, as one of those human beings that people are like, this guy really existed. Hmm. Like, and I, in a sense of, like, there's always those, the world we live in where people are, are quick, very quick to believe anything negative, and they're slow to believe anything positive. The moment they hear something bad, it's like, oh, see, look at that. Yeah, that guy's for sure. It's, yeah, definitely. They 100% believe it. They never give it the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And so for me, I've lived a life that is very clean. I don't have any skeletons and anything that I could consider a skeleton. I've written in a book and it's been out. Like it's mm-hmm. everything that I have of me is out there in the world. And I live my life in a way to where if somebody, you know, I wouldn't want anywhere. I can go across the street. I can go anywhere in the world and no one can say, oh yeah, yeah but I know this about you. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, so I don't know if it makes sense. I live my life in the light because I hear very, very clear that everything that you do in the dark comes in the light. So I live in a light kind of place. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of much, that's how, how my world works. I like that. I love that. Like, if I could be remembered, it's remembered as the guy who was like, that dude really was a legit great human being. Like, he did it right. And mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, I ain't got to be money, none of that stuff. It's just a matter of, was I an honest, you know, man of my word and everything I did, how I showed mm-hmm. up? And if so, then, you know, then that, that I think is just amazing enough because not enough people that I know show up 100% as the same person every day or as a person who, mm-hmm. when they're in challenging moments, or when they're when they're challenged by life, that they show up and they are the person that they they promised themselves would they would be. Yeah, just showing up every day and and being that person. That's that's pretty amazing. So awesome! Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all that you did and for just being raw in your life every single day with the advice you share. Just all the things that you've been through, and I think it's so helpful to other people and. I'm sure you're going to continue to impact more and more people. So thank you for joining me today on the podcast. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much again for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's story. Again, if you did, please help us share this on any of your social media outlets. I hope today's story inspired you to go out, live your story, and don't be afraid to share it.